the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now here's the host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Welcome everybody and happy July 4th. And for this July 4th show, even though it's July 3rd, we have Marketing Chick with us who's a regular correspondent. Welcome Marketing Chick. Hi Cindy, great to be here. I'm so happy you're back. We have Anna Maria Tarano, author of Stopwatch Marketing, right? Yes, that's it. And we've been trying to get you back on the air for some time, but I have to tell you, marketing chick, you're always traveling all over the place. I'm I like, know, there's okay, been a you want to come on this show? You want to come on that show? Right you're like, oh, I'm going to be in the lead. Oh, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be there. What's with you? <laughs> I, ha- I need just more stamps on my passport. That's how I look at it. I mean, what a fa- fabulous life you have. I mean, we clicked on the air last time. You're a fabulous author. You know your research. You know I've condoned you, endorsed you, right? And right. I wanted you to be a regular correspondent to talk about marketing trends on a regular basis. And um, I tried to get you on the show. I think the last time you were on the show was what? Maybe February? I think February or March. February or March. And then right. we tried to get back in. And you were really good. You're like, I want to be your marketing chick. And when are you going to put me on the air? And then I spit back dates to you. And you're like, no, I'm going to Antarctica. <laughs> Right, studying marketing trends in Antarctica. What are the penguins doing right now? Really? Or how about what are the snow caps doing? Because that's <laughs> a whole other subject. But listen, I'm pleased to have you on the show again, and I think we have a couple of really fun topics to talk about. And if you don't mind, I'd love to have you on for two segments. Sure, perfect. Good, 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 good. You know, the first thing, when you and I discussed topics way back when, you said that you had an interest in the rebranding and the remarketing of the Girl Scouts. Yes. And I'd like to know more about that because I remember you and I discussed there was a huge story in the Wall Street Journal about, you know, their rebranding and the modernization and taking an old brand and making it new. And I wanted to know what your, you know, your input was and all of that kind of stuff because it's an interesting topic. Okay, good, good. Yeah, my thoughts are that um, although the Girl Scouts are going to, of course, you know, hold true to their history, which it's all about building character and skills for success in the real world, it's understanding what is the real world today. And even by the name of the Girl Scouts, the uniforms, the fact that they sell cookies, is that really what's critical for them to have the voice and the confidence and the courage to be competitive in today's world, whether they're homemakers or they're business leaders? It doesn't matter. And I think so that's a great I want to message. talk about that. Yeah, no, I think that's a great message. And what did they do? You seem to know about, you know, the steps that they took strategically campaign-wise. Can you give us some insights? You know, campaign-wise, they're still in the midst of rebranding and repositioning themselves, and they've hired a great agency, Low New York, to work with them through it. Um, Part of the research they did was speaking with Girl Scouts themselves, speaking with adults, speaking with caregivers. And I think that's wonderful. It, It would also be critical, and I hope they've done this if they haven't done this, is to speak about people who were Girl Scouts and find out how was it helpful or how was it not helpful to who they are today and what they are today. Well, I think that's great, and I, I'm sure that there was a research component to that. Right. right. In terms of pulling all of us baby boomer chicks that once were, right. were Girl Scouts and talked about the impact it had in our lives. Exactly, and how does that compare to other organizations which are more well-known for leadership skills such as junior achievement? No, I, I, think, that's a, I think that's a good point. I, you know what? I I would imagine that Girl Scouts had a lot more to say than what was known, which was why you probably were involved in a marketing campaign. (laughs) Um, Because I think, from what I remember, and I was a junior Girl Scout, like, Mm -hmm. you know, 80 years ago, and, um, you know, I remember the thing that I really liked about it was you it taught you how to take responsibility for yourself in order to shine in a team. Um, you know, if you got a badge in sewing or cooking or, you know, whatever, um, that was the work that you did on your own, and it really taught you how to speak about a topic, how to become sort of an expert on the topic, because if you didn't know the topic, you couldn't get your badge. Right, right. And I think it's wonderful they have that, and it sounds, you know, in the act of full disclosure, I'm not involved with any of the repositioning of the Girl Scouts, but as an outsider marketing consultant looking inside to the organization, I think 
that is something that they're going to have to hold true, but it's also saying, yes, you're, you know, being recognized for your strength and your leadership and your differentiation among your peers. Now what else can you do in your community as well as in the real world that includes boys? Oh, I think so, that's fantastic. You know, it's, it's much like sororities, and I was a sorority girl. There's, there's the pluses and minuses of being in that single-sex organization. No, that's exactly right. And why is it that I really am not surprised that you are a sorority? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which sorority were you with? With Cap Alpha Theta. Oh, okay. I just, Yourself? you know what, I could see you as a sorority girl. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know what, it's very interesting. Let's talk about this, you know, as outsiders looking into the Girl Scouts organization. One of the things that women always suffer, and I'm not trying to victimize us or anything like that, is, you know, the Boy Scouts are so much more prevalent. <laughs> yes. I mean, and that, it goes with anything. It goes with the NBA basketball, you know. It's like, you know, the women's teams are like second tier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like a charity team. <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, and, you know, then you have Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, and then you even have fraternities and sororities. It's, uh, you know, so many years have gone by in terms of women's rights and women's recognition, but how come not so? <laughs> I know. How come, you know, the backbone within these organizations are markedly different, that it's still within these male-only organizations. It seems like everyone's really pulling each other up through the career network, through the social networks. In the women-only organizations, you don't see that as much. You might actually see it more so in the African-American sororities than you see in the traditionally not African-American sororities, and that's to be commended. I, I, think, it's, I think it's highly commendable, and we should learn something from them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Highly commendable, but you know, I think that um, no, it's it's an ongoing challenge. Women's groups never have the same kind of opportunities, visibility, natural acceptance, right? That a right. man's group has. So They're true. Going and back selling door- cookies door to door, I don't <laughs> think it's going to help. Yes, I recognize that you know the idea of selling cookies teaches money management and business management skills. That's wonderful, but. When was the last time actually a Girl Scout sold cookies to you directly? I mean, I'm sure I speak for many people in the audience that, yes, I love buying the Girl Scout cookies, but it's usually from my friends who have daughters which are Girl Scouts and not from the Girl Scouts themselves. Exactly. Is that really teaching them a lesson? No, I I think that's true. The other thing that I found in recent years, and we didn't do this when we were Girl Scouts, is that a lot of the Girl Scouts set up shop you know, selling their cookies in front of Costco. Yes, yes, in front of the grocery stores. I I don't remember having the opportunity to do that. Maybe we just weren't that ingenious about, you know, (laughs) retail marketing at that time. I don't know. We didn't know to ask permission. I, you know, but it's it's pretty viral. I mean, it's pretty guerrilla. You know, it's like street marketing. You set up your tables. The mothers are all there. The Girl Scouts put their, you know, they put their little uniforms on, and it's like you feel so guilty. You don't want to eat cookies. You don't want to get fat, but you don't want to let these poor Girl Scouts down. Oh, isn't that the truth? Guilt, that's the operative word. And I think that's why a brand such as American Girl has been so successful. And no surprise, American Girl is tied in with Girl Scouts. There is some kind of partnership because it does play on guilt. No, I, We've no, all I bought the American right about Girl doll for someone because we don't have the time to spend with the person. I'm going to throw you, you – I know that you could handle my fastball, so you know, I'm going to throw you a fast one. We talk about American Girl. Let's talk about Abigail Breslin for a second because I want to ask you a question as a marketing genius because this is my take on it. Uh, you know, Little Miss Sunshine, Abigail, Abigail Breslin, American girl. Right. Um, she's ubiquitous now. Is that a good thing for an, a young actor or maybe not so good? She's almost, she, it's like overkill. I mean, she's a sweet girl, but every time you see a movie with a teenage girl, a preteen girl, it's her. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, it's, you know, it's not overkill if we're looking at it from the business standpoint because obviously the studios know who they're dealing with. They know that this is a responsible child slash grown-up at the same time who knows what's expected of her, who knows that she's going to come in and give them the performance they want. In a way, Abigail Breslin is this generation's Dakota Fanning. She is indeed. And it, that is... That's wonderful for her. Unfortunately, it locks out a lot of other up-and-coming actresses of that age for those kind of roles. Oh, I think you're right. I think, you know, knowing the movie business, the studios are very comfortable, 
you know, with her responsibility, her quickness and brightness and ability to memorize lines. Right. Um, her parents are probably very easy to deal with. And that's a big thing for mm-hmm. teen stars or child stars. How easy are the parents to deal with? Oh, that's a very good point because that's, that's the infrastructure that they're dealing with. It's the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And from what I hear, her management and her family are great, terrific. They don't expect the studios to do the things that they feel they should be doing. If it's, you know, on-school, on-site tutoring, the parents, you know, make sure they do that. They don't leave it to the studios to take care of that. It's, you know, they're doing the right things. They're not making too many demands. And I think the same thing went for Dakota Fanning's, you know, parents as well. So uh, to all of those child actor people out there, you know, parents who want their child to be actors, you better be easy to deal with. Please don't be the, you know, what's her name, Lohens of the world. No, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. No, it's a, that's a really interesting issue because here in Los Angeles, obviously, you're very familiar with, you know, young actors and their parents. And I give kudos to Abigail Breslin, and that's probably why she's American Girl and being picked up for every part for a girl for looking for a preteen today. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and she does represent the every girl girl next door image. She does which, because which is wonderful. You know, she's she's cute as a button, but you know, she's also not that almost miniature Barbie doll. Thank God. John Binet look-alike. Oh, thank God. And that's very relatable, I think, both for parents and their kids. And look, the parents are the ones who are shelling out the money. So they want to feel good about it. I'm so happy that we don't have this young preteen that has the Britney Spears syndrome of encouraging girls to want to put their, you know, belly button rings in. Um, which was a trend for a while with Gen X, Gen Y, Echo Boomer. You know, every kid wanted to, like, look like Britney Spears at that time. And it wasn't good because you had eight-year-olds with their belly buttons sticking out wanting to be sex goddesses. Right, right. And then, of course, retailers and designers of children's apparel was jumping on that as well. Oh, so there true. was the whole adultization of children, that it's actually hard to find them clothes that make them look like the age they are versus the age they want to be. Well, more more on that, we have to take a quick break, and then we'll finish up. But you've been wonderful, and we're going to talk about a lot more fun stuff. Stay tuned. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. Festivals. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production of 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment, that's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L, entertainment.com, or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakn-rollentertainment.com. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in 
every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Did you do your homework today? Relationship Homework is a program about working with others in the home and in the workplace. Relationships with others are vital in getting work done. You'll learn guidance and reclaim the power to expand your capacity to take effective action in your relationships at home and at work. Each program will include a weekly homework assignment to take back and implement over the following week. Join host Udall DeOleo for Relationship Homework every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back, we're back, we're back with the marketing chick, Anna Maria Toronto, and author of Stopwatch Marketing. Anna Maria, are you working on any other new books? Um, not yet. I, I'm kicking around some ideas of what's happening from consumer retail trends and um, where consumers can go next and where retailers as well as suppliers need to go next in the value chain. Well, listen, I'm sure that's going to be a very, uh, it's a, a book in demand because people are cutting back on their ability to spend. We're probably, even though the Financial pundits don't want to say it. A lot of people do think that we are the, in the equivalent of a depression, not a recession. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and again, it, it's marketing and PR. Nobody wants to say that because then you really put yourself in it um, and make it worse. Um, but I would imagine that retailers have a lot of challenges ahead of them. Right, right. You know, the woes of the upcoming holiday season is, of course, you know, scaring off the retailers and scaring off the consumers as well. People are scared to think about what is their job prospects for the future and how much money can they be spending at the traditional holiday shopping time. So my advice actually is to think about becoming much more savvy and having a strategy for the holiday shopping season by starting now, taking advantage of retailers' severe discounts out there. In fact, you know, yesterday or last week I was at Bergdorf Goodman, very upscale department store in New York City, and they had just started a wave of markdowns. And the woman in one section said, this was like Kmart. You couldn't believe how many people were in here and just going through the racks of clothing. And that's telling you that the, the scouring for discounts is happening at every single level of retail and every single type of consumer that's out there. So if you start now and you think, okay, what are some items that we could buy and save for holiday gifts for your family and friends, you're probably going to be doing yourself a favor by spending money in advance and probably getting more for your buck. And how fun is it when people are bored in the summertime, particularly in places where mass transit isn't prevalent and they don't want to pay $5 a gallon for gas, (laughs) you know, to go on our rides, just think you can make a holiday at the local mall. Right. You know, I mean, that's what families can do together. That's what friends can do together. Mm-hmm. And you could do, you know, Christmas in July. Exactly. Christmas in July. That's what I call it, or it's buy now, save for later. And when you think back to American culture and, you know, the pioneers and how they used to can goods, storing up for the harsh winter ahead, that's really what we're doing. That's what we should be doing, um, taking advantage of what we can with the limited resources to get the most for our buck and, you know, ward off what might be happening in December. At the same time, it saves everyone a lot of grief to not be going to the stores and the malls when it comes December with everyone else. And that's You're when doing the malls... yourself a favor both financially and emotionally. Exactly, because the malls are going to jack up their prices desperately in Christmas on Christmas time because they know that people are going to be in a last-minute syndrome. Right. And, um, you know, this is very connected to stopwatch marketing. We've talked about some of these things before. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, you know, December is that time when everyone is clearly an impatient shopper, just trying to get the list of to-dos and must-buys done, whereas you can almost adopt a more recreational mindset by enjoying it, not putting pressure on yourself financially and time-wise by, you know, sweating it out a little in the summertime, taking advantage of the air condition in stores as well. Exactly. You don't put the air conditioning on in your home because that's going to cost you, you know, a ridiculous amount of money at the end of the month. Right. And uh, get to the stores. It's like, you know, it's a public playground, and you could probably negotiate your prices more than you ever, ever could. I mean, you know, I think that for the first time, I'm seeing American retailers hoggling with people. <laughs> it's so true. We have much more power than we had before. There's that voice that you have in speaking with your salesperson and saying, look, is there anything better that you can do for me? Is there any employee or friend family discounts? Or is this going on sale next week? Right. Or could you hold this for me? They really want to move the merchandise. They want to make the sale. You, of course, want to do it to the most advantage that you have. So it's coming up with those questions and trying to play a little bit of hardball with them. No, it's exactly right. And stores, it would really behoove retailers to do Christmas and July promotions. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. but they're not as smart as we are, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, everyone thinks that they should have a gift closet or a gift drawer, and that's really incorporating that thinking year-round. So that's not just something that happens in December or before birthdays or even back-to-school timing. You should be cognizant of what's going on, what your family needs on a monthly, seasonal, or annual basis, and always looking for those things. Such a, you are such a recession buster, <laughs> both for the retailer and the consumer. <laughs> Anna Maria Toronto, marketing chicken recession buster. <laughs> um, Someone's got to say what needs to be said. Well, I have to tell you something interesting. Yesterday, as I was going through you know, some research and stuff for new business, I saw that there was um, a new company, and unfortunately, I don't remember the name of the website. It's like buygasnow.com or something like that. But it's a, it's a company that is encouraging the consumer to buy gas cards now. And it's not like a, you know, it, it's not like a big gas company like Exxon or anything like that that's running this. It's like hedge funds, okay? Right. And you could buy gas at like, you know, a guaranteed price at $4 a gallon, let's say. And it will keep your gas purchases at that price. Isn't that interesting? I I think that's wonderful. I, I mean, mean that's, I think that's it's just a financial boon for you to know exactly how much you're going to be spending. In well, that exactly. But they're asset. selling it like it's stock. It's hilarious. Lock in your price at four dollars, and you know you're protected. So if gas high, you know if gas prices do hit six dollars, you're locked in at four. Oh, yeah. It, it's a great idea. I think what you're referring to is mygallons.com. Oh, look at you with your all about tomorrow's gas. You unbelievable research check. <laughs> you can help it. <laughs> but I had to, you know, so, I, yeah, it came across my research yesterday, and I couldn't remember the name of it, but leave it to you to do it. I'm, like, really impressed. I don't, I don't know if hedge funds are really something that we could all trust. <laughs> I would really have to have, I have to recommend that lawyers look into it for individuals, you know, before they make the purchase because hedge funds, as you and I know, can fall apart. Right. So, you know, what is there really a backbone to this? But um, I just thought it was a really fantastic recession-busting idea. It really is. And if there's even more ideas like that where we can protect ourselves by buying now for later and having some kind of control over what that price would be given our budgets whether it's gas, whether it's food, it's that idea of stockpiling once again. So uh, think well, about you know what? our People, you know, predecessors canning their fruits and vegetables for the wintertime. This you're is so exactly funny. what we need think, to do. You make me think of, you know, hoarding is not a modern word. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. What's the positive way of saying hoard? <laughs> well, you come up with some very positive ways. Shelving, gift <laughs> closets, <laughs> pantries. <laughs> right, right, pantry loading. I mean, that's what you know. consumer uh, packaged goods giants have always done. When they realize that you know, the competition is going to be coming out with a new SKU, what they try to do is make sure that their loyal consumers have stockpiled. So there's the value 
um, sized items. There's this, there's the two for ones. So you take the consumer out of the category, so they're not susceptible to buying the competitive entry. No, and I and I think that's really a great point for all of our listeners today. It's if you want a recession bust, you have marketing experts advising you that shelving is not a new concept. It's what retailers and wholesalers have done for years to provide us services. So it behooves the consumer to try to act as their own little mini wholesaler. <laughs> so true. It, it's a gamble. I mean, that that's just what it is. It's a gamble that the investment you make now will pay off in the months to come. No, exactly. It's like having a little bank account, except instead of saving money, you're saving consumer package goods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That is a resource. That is, you know, that is, it's a good, it's earnings, it's value. <laughs> right, right. Of course, the restaurants of the world won't be too happy about that, but... Well, the restaurants of the world <laughs> like also have to will be. <laughs> they have to figure out a way, you know, to be consumer-friendly in some of their prices as well. I think that in the hospitality world, hotels are doing it well, Las Vegas is doing it well, um, you got to figure out a way to connect to the masses with fun discounts because, you know, hoteliers and restaurants really need to get foot traffic in the door, and they're not going to be able to do that anymore to the middle-class consumer. You know, they can't charge $200 a plate anymore. Right. You know, I mean, they could count on really wealthy, you know, people with disposable incomes, but as you know, there's a very small share of those people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they really have to get back to the bare bones of what people want. And, you know, part of it is the amount of food that we've become accustomed to at the restaurants. The portions are huge. The prices are, you know, still somewhat of a value. Well, you know, look at bringing them back down to reasonable levels. And you would be doing a lot for someone's, you know, paycheck, for their bank account, as well as their waistline. Oh, well, there you go. It's cost efficiency and great bodies, all in one. (laughs) And that's probably a place where you shouldn't hoard. When you go to a restaurant, that's when you should eat light. Go for the atmosphere, not for the food. Go to your shelves at home when you want to really stuff yourself. (laughs) Right, right. And when you want to bring the restaurant experience at home, light a few candles, put on some mood music, and put on a nice tablecloth. (laughs) Oh, the restaurants are going to love you, marketing tech. Oh, they're going to just love you. But doesn't Vegas do it well? They really know how to market to the masses well. Their discounts are really smart and clever in this economy. It's true. You know, Vegas has been, you know, very approachable. They're almost transparent in their pricing and their marketing schemes, which makes everyone feel that they're not being taken advantage of. Versus, you know, you look at a huge destination like Disney World and everyone still feels like, wow, you jump on that treadmill, regardless of the number of websites out there and books that tell you how to do Disney on a budget, you know you're going to be taken. Oh, you are. Well, listen, we have to wrap up. It always goes fast. I guess I'll see you in another three months, four months, when you're not traveling around the world. Sure, if not sooner. We'll be in touch. Great speaking with you again, Cindy. Thanks for joining us, Anna Maria Toronto, author of Stopwatch Marketing, my marketing chick. You have a great fourth. You too. Happy fourth. Stay tuned for the next segment. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment.com. That's R-A-K-N 
R-O-L-L-Entertainment.com or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio, black and roll productions, we do it all. www.rakn-rollentertainment.com. The ability to wield power, shape the environment and the outcome, and the desire to make things happen are essential characteristics of all great leaders. Explore the essence of leadership from an insider's point of view on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio, international coach, consultant, and advisor to leaders for over 20 years. Get the unvarnished, inside story on how leaders in the spotlight take the critical decisions that deliver exceptional, real-world results and why they sometimes spectacularly and publicly fail as well. Tune into Leadership Intuitions for a behind-the-scenes look at what gets great leaders up in the morning and what keeps them up at night. Go beyond the conventional advice about what great leaders are and what they do, and learn how to create your own personal legacy as a leader. Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio broadcasts each Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, Power, Achievement, Relationships. I know, being a college freshman is supposed to be tough, but let me tell you about my schedule this semester. All 18 credits. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I have American Lit at 8.05 a.m., and then I only have 15 minutes to get to my 9.15 Ethics and Value Theory class all the way across campus. Then in the afternoon, Calculus 1. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have two lectures that go through lunch, Sociology of Families, then Intro to Microbiology pre-med. And finally, I have a double lab that ends around 9 p.m. Anyway, I just wanted to say thank you. If a kid will do whatever it takes to get through college, what will you do to send her there? Please support the United Negro College Fund and call 1-800-332-UNCF because a mind is a terrible thing to waste. A public service brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Real Talk with Marcy Mason. A refreshing and charming talk radio show for all of you entertainment enthusiasts. Whether you're stargazing on Hollywood Boulevard or in the stands cheering for your favorite team, Real Talk is here to satisfy the curiosity of the dedicated lifestyle and entertainment enthusiasts by giving everyday people the information they crave about what's going on in their communities and the world around them. Don't miss Real Talk with Marcy Mason, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty says just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Do you know what the most complex piece of your business capital investment is? Is it the technology? Is it the infrastructure? Could it be the office and corporate structure? The most complex piece of your business capital investment is the human being. Return on Human Capital is a unique program that discusses some of the most important issues facing leaders in business. Join your hosts, Howard Pines and Jay Santamaria, for Return on Human Capital, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America. The ability to wield power, shape the environment and the outcome, and the desire to make things happen are essential characteristics of all great leaders. Explore the essence of leadership from an insider's point of view on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio, international coach, consultant, and advisor to leaders for over 20 years. Get the unvarnished, inside story on how leaders in the spotlight take the critical decisions that deliver exceptional, real-world results and why they sometimes spectacularly and publicly 
publicly fail as well. Tune into Leadership Intuitions for a behind-the-scenes look at what gets great leaders up in the morning and what keeps them up at night. Go beyond the conventional advice about what great leaders are and what they do and learn how to create your own personal legacy as a leader. Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio broadcasts each Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, Power, Achievement, Relationships. We have to be able to switch the pitch in terms of how we're doing it. I've actually repitched books to national media that were turned down and then accepted on the whole, the same product, the same book, on a different pitch. You always have to rethink strategies. You know this, right? Go ahead. Yeah, we're here. Okay. Yeah, see, I'm sure you know this very well. No, it's, uh, my whole life has been rethinking strategies. you know, you have to be very, very fluid as, you know, a practical publicist and know that things are going to change very, very quickly in the media's perception, measure it, and change strategy. And you know what? People have to listen to you because people in other fields don't really understand the art of change and the art of things being liquid and the ability to think fast and change direction and make quick decisions in order to, you know, Go with the sea change. I think that we are really great captains of ships and storms. Oh, definitely. And the thing is, is that a pitch, how you go out with it, you know, that's kind of how you're sailing forward. It's going to have to change with the winds. You have a really good metaphor with that. And the strategy is different. The strategy that you're doing, the pitch can help it, but you kind of may be sticking with the same strategy. You're just approaching it different. And with books, you always have to figure out what's newsworthy about this book, what's new, what information about it is is really different, or if there isn't anything, what is it doing better, and how does it link with, how does it become newsworthy now? And that's really the major topic. So that if people are thinking about how they want to have their books publicized, they really should consider whether there is some link or what they think may work. Uh, I think it's very true. It's not as simple as it seems. And, you know, you probably spend a lot of time reading books, Susan. Well, yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, I'm, both I for your clients. I have and... to confess, I'm not a TV person. My husband is, but I'm not. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, is it when you first get hired for a project, you have to read that book pretty actively. You're not just reading it in a relaxed way like most people get to read books. You have to oh, no. read it very proactively. Well, you have to sometimes outline them. Like if there's a book that I did on the development of the human mind, how it unfolds. Now, if I'm going to have to summarize a 300-page book in a page and a half and have all the medical information correct, sure, I'm going to have to read it, outline it, comprehend it, and use a Q&A so that an average person, an average producer in two pages will get it. Well, thank God you like reading. Thank God you like being illiterate. <laughs> well, I don't think I could push other products. I remember being in advertising and for a little while, and I just couldn't. I had a hard time pushing other products because I believe in books. Oh, no, I think, that, I think that's fantastic. And we need people like you to read books and understand content rather than just, you know, just facade. I think it's fantastic. Well, we may be dinosaurs, though. People like me, I think, uh, I'm not sure how many are going to be around in another generation. I know. I agree with you. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, a concept that I'm really not quite sure about, but I'd love your feedback and interpretation on it, and that is the online book, because I don't know if an online book is really a book. I don't even know if audio books are really a book, but I would love to hear your point of view about it. Well, my point is my point of view on it. On, I mean, online books are books. I actually have a few online books. I know them, and audio books are different. I mean, they're still books, but they're more performance. I mean, if you want to put labels in categories, I think an audio book is a very different experience than reading a book because they obviously can't read every word. You can't. They're forming the pictures in your head for you because they're interpreting them. That's the thing with, like, seeing a movie. Like, when I read Harry Potter before I saw the movie, in a way I enjoyed it more because I had my own pictures. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, that's no, really true. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is audiobooks are different. They're a different form. Um, and I think they're good depending on who does them, and there are a lot of people who can't read, who don't have a time or are stuck in traffic jams. I have no problem with them. And online books are still books. 
the thing is whether people can actually read them in that form. Um, I know a lot of people actually still would rather have them printed out. They don't really want to deal with them online. No, it's, a, it's really a frightening concept to me. And, you know, I want to just ask your opinion about something because you know the book business really well. For example, you're an author, okay? It's always a challenge for an author to be published. You've worked with many of them. You know the steps. You probably know a lot of authors that have gone through the, you know, experience of an option and then it didn't get published and, you know, all the heartache and work that goes into that with, you know, barely a payment. But then what publishers are saying today is, why don't you talk to my friend blah, 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 and he publishes online books. Or, you know, you could go to onlinepublishing.com and have your book published just like that, you know. And, you know, you could do a deal with, you know, um, an e-commerce company, and then you get a percentage of every time it's downloaded. I, does that seem real? Well, the problem with it is, is that, Basically, the publishers are investing in the Kindle. You know the Kindle, that thing? Yes. All right, so it's a viewer, so that you can pack into like six, you can pack six books into that, and you can travel if you want to deal with looking at it on a screen. But for most, for publishers that are cutting their list, all this is about is cost cutting for publishers. I hate to say it, I'm going to be unpopular for this, but it's a matter of convenience for them. They can't publish, they're publishing now far fewer books. All of them are doing far fewer books so that they can send people online and have them do it that way, they're not going to be deluged with manuscripts. <laughs> I, no, I think it's true. I understand there's a there's an efficiency to it. Uh, you know, I totally understand that. But is it really a book? Well, the thing is, if it's published online and it's yours and it's copyrighted, I believe it's still a book. Is it a book in that you actually have distribution? That's the big problem. In other words, directing people there, I think, is a little bit misleading because they don't have distribution to bookstores. They're not going to be in any catalogs for the next 20 years if they keep them in print. Um, Your book is not really published, I believe, unless you have a distributor in the real world. I mean, that's the way I look at it. But I think that's the way most conventional business people would look at it. You know, and I think it's really important. We have to, we have to build some kind of sacredness, for lack of a better word, for the published book that you could buy at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> well, exactly. And people still, this is part of the problem with them pushing the Kindle and this kind of thing, is that outside of business people who travel and would want to have six books in the screen, the majority of people still like the portable thing of a book. It's very relatively cheap entertainment. You can carry it anywhere, and it lasts. (laughs) No, no, exactly right. Well, this is, you know, magazine publishers feel the same way. It's, you know, magazine publishers want to believe that people are going to still want to buy a magazine, carry it with them on a plane, and not strain their eyes to look at it on an online environment. So it's a subject that we could talk about in our last segment, which is coming up, and again, we're three segments down, and you're doing a heck of a job, and I think that people are really going to be calling you, Susan Weinstein. <laughs> well, we're having a good time. I am enjoying this. It's intellectual conversation, something that doesn't happen that often, right? <laughs> well, on your show it does, right? I try to keep it that way. I try to make it into an academic forum <laughs> with a yeah, little bit of humor. Yeah, that's a great thing. But listen, we have ideas. Let's uh, let's take one more commercial break, and we're all looking forward to coming back to our last segment with Susan Weinstein. Bye-bye. Okay, stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres. TV. 
TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment, that's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L, entertainment.com, or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakn-rollentertainment.com. Wake up, world. This is it. It's time to feel re-energized with a new show featuring host Andrea with an I. Get ready for a wild ride of adventure. You'll venture into a realm of quirkiness and a bit of the unexpected. Andrea will prove to you that bliss is your birthright and it's easy, simple, and fun to be in bliss. Wake up, world. This is it. With your host, Andrea with an I. It's heard live every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America. Shift happens are you ready in a culture obsessed with the perfect body men women and especially teens are constantly battling with body image and overlooking the one true thing that could set them free breaking free with sarah maria is a timely talk radio show that will help you find a way to love your body and yourself just the way you are breaking free will empower you to unleash your potential and create the life of your dreams Tune in to Breaking Free with Sarah Maria every Thursday at noon on the East Coast, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America channel and start loving you for who you are. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now let's get back to more stars of PR. Here's your host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're back, we're back, we're back with Susan Weinstein, and we're finishing up, and we're talking about books, and boy, does this woman know her books. You know your stuff about books. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're a fantastic publicist, but nobody knows books better than you know books, huh? Well, I don't know. There are a few that have been around this long. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. That's probably true. We're talking a lot about um, the evolution of media. We're talking a lot about, you know, windows and media and what makes a book a book and what makes it not a book. I mean, in publishing company, magazine publishing companies, you know, there are people that were hired and the smart publishing companies probably about 20 years ago, to business people who can decipher and, you know, come up with a strategic plan in how to best utilize online strategies in, you know, promoting magazines, which, you know, that's, that's my area of expertise, um, promoting magazines at a time when people are going to be using online as their primary source for information. And one of the people who, you know, were on that committee of great minds about 20 years ago for the publishing companies that were smart enough to hire these people all said the same things. You cannot replace a magazine with a magazine version online. Um, You know, what has to be done is an online version of the magazine that will whet the appetites, use it as a promotional vehicle, whet the appetites of magazine readers and, um, you know, get them to read about what's going on in a publication online but still get them to buy the publications. Right. You know, so, I mean, everything had to be thought out, really. publishers, I don't think, have done as well with this. Book publishers. Yeah. No, I don't think that they had, you know, I don't think that they really went, they, they weren't with their magazine sisters and brothers at the table when 
these kinds of decisions had to be made. And I have to tell you, Susan, that very, very few magazines did it as well. The ones that did it are the ones that are still doing well. I mean, Playboy magazine did it, and their online strategies and their print strategies really complement each other. You know, long-term online electronic, you know, electronic publication replacing the magazine, which they didn't really think that they had to replace for the next 20 to you know, 20 to 40 years. You know what I mean? It's a gradual, gradual strategy, um, taking down costs of the actual, you know, taking down costs of print publishing in the long term, taking down costs of postage and print in the long term, but nothing immediate. Those are the magazines that are still, you know, you know existing and doing well. Um, Crane's Communications, Advertising Age, did the same thing. They had Scott Donatin, who was brilliant. He's now the publisher of Entertainment Weekly. You know, really sitting at the table with people and trying to figure out what to do. And he was one of the pioneers in that, you know, in that field. So a lot of thinking. You know, publications that were ahead of the game. And again, I mean, you know, magazine publications really had to think about this quite a long time ago. And I'm really not sure if book publishers did the same thing. And I think that you're reinforcing the fact that perhaps they weren't as proactive as, as they should have been. But they're doing, the children's book publishers have been much better at this. Um, like HarperCollins and Disney have amazing websites to promote their books, to promote their magazines. They have blogs. Um, I think that they've done, and they've done a really good job. But they've been leaping into it you know, fairly recently, the last five, you know, maybe five, ten years at the most. Yeah, right. No, I think that you're right, um, probably then rather than later. And um, you're right. I think that children's book publishers did children, figure out Children's young adult it. publishers, the YA, the YA lines, um, they're all linking to the, uh, school, to the school activities and to those websites. So that it's, it's really amazing to me. Scholastic has an amazing system as well. Um, so they're really, yeah, they're the only, but was, their thing to get kids to read they they do the sample chapters. They also do blogs from people that have liked the books. They have online book clubs. Well, that's um, a smart strategy. Online strategies complementing offline strategies, and offline strategies complementing online strategies. And you know, there's a lot of thought that had to go into this process. It was like rewriting the Constitution. Yeah, no, you you put it really well, and I think that the major publishers haven't been investing in the same way. Um, a lot of authors have. There are authors who have sold their books bestsellers on their own blogs, and that they've consciously set it up so that they work with those blogs, which is a full-time job, <laughs> to maintain them and update them. And I think publishers encourage the authors to do it on their own, and some of them are slowly starting to maintain their own blogs, um, a number of the houses are doing that now where they have one person in charge of their blogs and one person in charge of the site. So I think they're coming into it now, but more authors are kind of doing it on their own. Yeah, no, I think that's probably true. I think that's right. Any, um, do you want to make any spe- speculation in terms of whether we're always going to see a printed book? Well, now this is something that I've thought a lot about. And I think the question is going to be whether there are going to be a next generation who are real readers. In other words, children today are, books are the entertainment stepchild. (laughs) I mean, you've got electronic stimulation that's very addictive, and children are basically choosing TVs, DVDs, videos, games, Wii's, and they're finding it hard to slow down, focus, and read a book. And with the parents being plugged in, it's the whole notion of reflection as a habit and as an art form is something that will lead to the extinction of books unless parents really start doing this also. So for myself, I feel that we're at kind of a crucial point in time um, in terms of doing this. Many of the schools in some ways are kind of, yes, they have their book list, but homework is done online. There are no encyclopedias, and sometimes kids can substitute kind of movies for books some public schools actually let them do this. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is it's going to have to do with um, parents. It's going to have to do with kids because if it keeps up with this trend, as they get older, they're not going to be readers. They're not going to buy books. They're going to be doing quick, easy reading as a supplement to whatever media they're watching. 
I hope that educators realize that they better make people continue to read books because quick fix information isn't always the right kind of information. It's very alarming to me. Well, it's like Wikipedia, the encyclopedia. Now, that thing does not have necessarily um, information coming from scholars. Anybody can submit to that. And there are kids doing reports based just on Wikipedia. No, that's really, it's very scary. You're exactly right. You could be a, a moron writing a definition for something that isn't even accurate, and because Wikipedia claims that they don't have, you know, that they're not necessarily authorizing or credentialing anybody mm-hmm. that writes a meaning or a definition, you could be regurgitating information that's completely wrong. <laughs> well, plus, they don't know how to do research offline. They don't know how to go to libraries and go to stacks and compare, and they don't have the attention span to actually do this. So that, to me, is the real crucial thing. So I feel, personally, now I might be kind of dramatic, that we're at a turning point historically, that we either go into a dark ages of information and ignorance, information that really promotes ignorance. (laughs) No, I don't think you're being dramatic at all, sister. I think I'm right there with you, and I think that people like us have to do something and I'm sure you do because you're in touch with educators to make people realize that people have to do research offline because you're going to have moron mentalities. Well, and the thing is, is that unless people read and reflect, you're going to have problems with ethics. Honesty, we now are rife with scams and with all kinds of stuff going on that are criminal activity that we have never had to this level before. What kind of society are you having? Personal responsibility, all the virtues of a civic society are really, I feel, under siege because there is no, there are, the standards and order are all basically eroding and I actually feel that part of this has to do with the culture of literacy. It's very well said, and guess what? We have to wrap up, so you're going to have to come on the show again, and we're going to have to have philosophical (laughs) conversations about the culture and revitalizing it, if you will. I thank you so much for your time, Sue. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this. You you are a fantastic source of information, and viva la book. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you very much for the opportunity here. All right. Take care and have a great day. Bye-bye. Real Talk with Marcy Mason, a refreshing and charming talk radio show for all of you entertainment enthusiasts. Whether you're stargazing on Hollywood Boulevard or in the stands cheering for your favorite team, Real Talk is here to satisfy the curiosity of the dedicated lifestyle and entertainment enthusiasts by giving everyday people the information they crave about what's going on in their communities and the world around them. Don't miss Real Talk with Marcy Mason, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty says just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. What's this? Milk. Low-fat, no-fat. They're milk, too. And their names rhyme. This man may sound odd. Low-fat, no-fat. But to his three-year-old daughter helping him pick out food, he makes perfect sense. Here's cheese with holes in it. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. Take simple moments like shopping and turn them into learning moments. It's called Swiss. Swiss has holes. That's right. Can you say gorgonzola? Gorgonzola. Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Visit bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. All Things Music with composer and songwriter Tara Tucker brings to the Voice America channel music genres not typically heard on your FM radio dial. World music, folk, indie, classical, religious, early medieval. What you won't hear is top 40, rap or rock, or celebrity news from the streets, or the tabloids of Hollywood. Each week, Tara will showcase a different musical style, the musicians who perform it, the history behind it, and she promises to broaden your musical horizons. Tune in Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific to All Things Music with Tara Tucker on the Voice America channel. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. 
Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. 